When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And here we are, as we said, Sunday night to review the shortened round in the NRL and preview Origin Game 3. Boxhead, how's your weekend been? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad, mate. Footy today. Footy today got got rolled today, but <clears throat> we had a uh, yeah majority of our team training up within our role today, so they got a big game on Saturday, so we didn't get we didn't get any players back really. So, so the, considering that, yeah, the boys put up a good fight, mm-hmm. late at half time, and faded late, a couple of HRAs and head knocks and injuries and stuff, but no excuses, and also too good. That was it, mate. Yep, and what next did I do week. Yesterday? I don't even know what I did yesterday. No idea. Swimming. You're not on the road next week. You said you're home again against Canberra? Home again against Canberra, yeah. That's probably make or break for us now. It's a must win. With about, I think we've got seven games to go, and the majority of them are against teams who are above, above us, which so. is good. It means destiny's in our hands. But yeah, pressure's on now to, to win some games similar to first grade. First grade, a big game, as I said, against the Cowboys, so. Yeah, like you said, win. main reason they had training, obviously, so withheld the players to focus on this week, plus the turnaround. With well, Origin. yeah, if they allowed players to play that could potentially be playing NRL, they're giving themselves a yeah, really a, short turnaround. Yeah, five-day turnaround. And a potential for injuries, yeah. and they've got a couple in Origins. By so. weekend, you better just to rest them, train them today, keep them fresh for that game. Yeah. The priority's got to be on first grade. So well, I completely understand that. Set up a defeater system, as we always yeah, know, whether you're Massey, Shield, whatever level you're on. That's the thing about... That's the fallacy in reserve grade in that you, you don't always have your best team. You don't always have your best players available. It's just mm. a lot of it is dependent on around what yeah first grade's happening in the first grade draw and where buys sit and, and injuries and origin and all sorts of things. So then the breaks, that's the advantage I think that probably the Bears have got this year and that similar to Mounties last year, they don't have a great deal being fed back. They've got a lot of part-time players there, which means they've got good cohesion and yeah, similar a lot of those combinations. Boys are playing there week in, week out, which on days like today, yeah, shone through. That's for sure. And the handful of NRL guys they have got are not really playing for the Roosters either, so they've essentially sort of just melded into what they're doing. No, that's right. Because they've obviously kept probably the better of what they've had in that fold on the Roosters side of things this year for the Cup side. Yeah, um, but other than that, we'll jump in. So there'll be no power rankings, obviously, short and weak. Just reviewing the short round before that origin sort of set up in terms of set of six and talking points, same deal. Uh, we'll talk about anything that needs to be talked about, but I don't think there's really been a whole lot bar the CBA sort of news. And again, on that front, I've seen a lot of people comment on things and ask questions. I think the biggest thing there is I still don't know what the fuck is going on because the NRL seemed to have come out from what Abdo said and basically given everything they've wanted they're saying they haven't got everything they've wanted and the deal had a hundred changes in it but they haven't really clarified on the player side what's missing so I'm as confused as anyone is about what's actually missing in the CBA yeah I'd like some clarity around because that. yeah I, I felt like Abdo actually answered some questions or gave some information I felt the RLPA actually clarified nothing I heard something on the way home in the car Paul Gallon was on 
2GB or ABC Radio on the way home <clears> in the car, and he was saying that Clint Newton apparently did an interview this morning and basically threw the players under the bus and said that it was the players' idea, this strike action, not um, not the players' association. So sort of backtracked away a little bit from whose idea it was and who's really pushing for it. I think the issue the players have got at the moment is they're not... Like, they're punishing the fans by not talking to fans pre-match, post-match. But I I just think there needs to be a little bit more transparency around what the issues are. Mm. Well, the big one... And why they feel as though it's not fair... The big one I get some support. took away, or the only one that sort of seemed to be out there, was the fact that he's, the, the NRL's agreed to all these player funds that weren't there. So, you know, long-term one for health and post-game, like money in all these allocated pools. I think the big thing is control of that money. I think the NRL's saying, well, if we're going to put $10 million in here, $9 million in there, we're not just going to let you handle all of it. And the RLPA is saying, well, we're supposed to be partners. It's for the players, not for you. We should be able to do what we want with it, which... In that case, I agree with the NRL. I wouldn't be given willy-nilly control in the RLPA to control pools of funds and money like that. Like, if it's a partnership, it needs to be handled by both sides. Yeah. But that I don't have a problem with, especially when you're the ones handing the money over. I don't know enough about it. But, yeah, on that side, I've seen a lot of people probably throwing comments out there that don't know the full story. The biggest thing for me... I think we don't know the full story. At the level that I'm at now, I think there needs to be more players training full-time. Yeah. I think... And I, That's the biggest thing I see at New South Wales. The minimum wage needs end, to be the main one that I've argued with for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Or the top end, Steve. Have more in the cap, but more players that come under the cap. Mm. Like at the moment, it's a top 30 plus. Is it four development? So it's 34. They've got six cut back. Six development, after, I think. Well, it was six. I think it's four now. Because the I have to check that. I could be wrong. And I, and I apologize if I am wrong. Yeah. My understanding is that it's four. But my argument would be. I, like, development players, okay, like, I get it. I think there should be an age limit on who's a development player. Well, that's the thing. You can stash someone. And I also believe that there should be at least 40 in each squad. But with HIAs and the way we're going, there's going no, to be... No, just, like, there's 40... A lot of teams will use probably 30 players. Then they'll have, you know, another 5 to 10 that they'll use in New South Wales Cup. Mm. <clears throat> so... But that's sort of I my think point. Manly this year, like, they've used 29... If in cap- first grade, and uh, the only player out of the top thirty—they're all—they're all top thirty players. Only player in the top thirty who hasn't been used is Morgan Boyle, uh, and they've used no one outside the top thirty. But they've got a group of players that I'm obviously coaching, and there's another, well, at least 10, 15 players there that are training full time, that are on train and trial contracts, that. You know, other clubs will pick up, or Manly will keep them again on training trials. I think they should be a part of. They should have more security than that. You should should be a top forty, not a top thirty. I think we'll probably get there. Yeah, this is. But I mean, do you want the money at the, to be fed into the top end, or do you I'm want saying, the money into every time our developing grows. more players and having more players train full time? Yeah. Therefore, giving yourself a broader base and a bigger base for expansion. If expansion is what's on the on the mm. menu and what's on the table yeah, plus in our future safety, strategic HAAs, direction, all that bullshit, I don't care about that stuff. At, yeah, but it like, all factors when into I'm talking about it. now, but if the future push for the game is expansion in the next 10 years, then what are we doing to actually alleviate the issue of thinning out of players? Like You're actually going to thin the players out across more teams. I think the sooner we can get more players training full-time, more players in each squad, 
the better that issue will, will become. Hmm. You're also seeing an impact out of COVID as well. In yeah, a delay. A lot of these guys have had, yeah, a year and a half out of footy. They've lost a year and a half of footy. But the other part, like I said, every time the cap seems to go up, it just means someone gets the new biggest contract. And I think, look, the, the players' end. conditions have never been better. Like, they've never been better. They've never been paid more. They never, the other play, the older, older players and players from past generations never had future funds or, you know, future medical benefits and all the stuff that they've got now. And you know what? The players should fight for their rights and, and get as many benefits as they can, providing that it's not damaging the future financial stability of the game, I mm. believe. Uh, but what I, what I, Believe is that they should have a they should present the plan. So this is this is the issues. These are the issues that we've got. These are the reasons why. This is the solution, and make that transparent. I don't understand why that's so difficult. No, nah, like I said, <clears throat> for, for what's out there, there's only little bits that have. Yeah, sort but of it's been... it's it's leaked out there, and it's two sides to yeah. every story. And well, you the never other one, really know what the truth is. The other bit was the international funds, where apparently they wanted that separate. Where I think it was talking about all nations being paid evenly for international football. Um, and that was another issue that came up. So, in terms who's of, footing the bill for the international game? Is it the NRL or is it? Well, I think that's at the moment it's the federations that pay their own money. I'm pretty sure. So whatever they can pay. So Australia obviously pays the most. England pay different amount to say a New Zealand or a Samoa or a Tonga. I think they all just pay their own individual um, sort of wages. That's, I think that's the way it's always been. That, that'd be the way that like we've got the cricket on now. That'd be the way that the cricket would work. They wouldn't all be on a set fee. So that was the other test. If you're Zimbabwe or if you're England or if you're the West Indies or if you're Australia, they'd all be. Mm. But again, without paid a different fee, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? Without looking into everything, reading everything, because I didn't really pay too much attention to it. They've obviously reached a point where they're sick of it because it's well past where it started and they're both throwing shade at each other. Who's telling the truth? Who's lying? There's always a bit of grey in between, but. I think they're both probably bending the truth at at the end of the day. Side of the fence, definitely. I just think for both sides, it's pretty much that. Sit down, what are your absolute non-negotiables, and there's got to be a give and take. It just needs to be sorted out. It's pretty embarrassing at this point to think that, you know, this has been going on pre-last year finishing and still going. Yeah. I think the women's side's all sorted. They got that sorted out. But this part also still involves them in future sort of years, but they got sorted for that to be kicked off. But, yeah. For the men's, and I, I guess timing-wise, them if you're going to pull an action or a strike, they feel, you know, an origin week where there's lots of media, which is all well and good, but, you know, that, the other question that was asked by a lot of people, well, technically they're in breach of their contracts, I'm pretty sure. Because well, yeah, yeah. part of your obligations <laughs> is to the game, which because 60-plus percent of the money comes from the TV deal or the media side of things. Mm. So, And the reason, yeah, the media is to obviously provide access to the fans. So, mm. to be, oh, Like, I, I haven't missed the nah, players also. Say, like, did, to be honest, because they all talk in rims and rhymes and cliches. Some players anyway. are horrible to listen to, so I've preferred some of the coaches' talks this week. If I'm being honest, um, there's occasionally some players that speak better than others, or they can at least get another point across. Or there's some that yeah, just use the general throwaways. Like I like to know the, la- the last time that you've actually heard a player articulate something, you've gone, "Oh fuck, okay, mm. yeah, right." And that's not a shot at the players, no. But they're also thinking, "Well, I'm not going to give away my IP." No, like my game plan or what my coach has told me or, you know, what I feel is always a strength in my game that I'm doing to this player or, you know, across the competition, the reason why I'm in good form. Like, they're not going to give away the intricacies of why they're playing well or tactics that the team are using. So I just find a lot of the 
the yeah. media coverage probably Stucks we just either, we just time. either need to accept the fact that it's going to be cliche ridden and pretty generic, or we need to find a way to do it better. Mm. Now, I'm not quite sure what the solution is, um, but I think we yeah probably need to look just accept it for what it is, or if we don't want it to be cliche ridden because I certainly don't miss it. I'd be interested to in what the, uh, our listeners think, mm. whether you think that the players. Not speaking to the media, you know, has been something that you've missed. Um, and if so, and if you disagree with what we're saying, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts in the discussion group or commenting on this po- podcast when you listen to it through Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I certainly haven't missed it. And your no. thoughts were pretty similar around it. I haven't really recognised it. And again, I think some of the coaches' talks or the fill-in's been probably better. Because they're, they're generally, they give you a little bit, some more than others. Um, but in terms of what they're looking for or their explanations mm. is generally always a lot better. But even some of the post-game stuff, like I enjoyed Ricky. We know he generally doesn't pull punches, but he wasn't happy again the other night and just the way he sort of come across. I was well, like, the, I, I enjoy that side Ricky of it. Ricky is he's always honest. Just enjoy that sort of side a bit more. Um, he's always honest. But yeah, even some of the pre-game stuff, I think the coaches generally tend, tend to talk. We say, who is shit? That's shit. That makes me sick. I think I'm... Uh, Something like that. Makes him sick. We keep doing it to ourselves. That's crap or shit, yeah. said. Like he said. Yeah, I looked up in the dressing room like before I went. It's pretty, it's pretty somber in there. Yeah. Not happy. But yeah, we, but I think that's part of their development as a team, isn't it? Like, do you want to accept these... Because like, that's sort of the target they've got, isn't it? Like, they're well, the grinders, he's, he's they're the grafters. He's saying it with good reason, though. They're the ones that are winning by six and winning close games, which is great. But you know how that ends. Like, we've seen teams do this in the past. And they get to finals time, and yeah, but it's you not can't a, live that life in the finals. The thing is, though, it's not an eighty-minute graft. Like they'll have like a run or a streak graft and blow it out, and then they'll almost blow their stack. Yeah, and they or, could have had more wins if they didn't play that way. And they're not like and look against a team like Penrith. They're in there for 10, 15 minutes, and then you have that lapse period, and then Penrith just absolutely went to town on them. Yeah, but that was ages ago. Because yeah. come finals time, if they do that against a couple of those other sides, it's not going to win. They're going to get blown off the park. Yeah, I think it's good that he's challenging, particularly after when you get a lot more buy-in from players, that's for sure. The Dragons do that to you in the state they're in right now. Drag you in. It's just like, hmm. Well, yeah, that's probably one of the only other talking points. There might be some people who are going, what the fuck are you talking about? But yeah, I just didn't really pay attention to it because it's been dragging on. And the whole time there's been a lack of information about what really are the key things. There are a few small things that have dripped out about what they're after, but I'm like, how about we see in writing... The proposal. I know it's oh, it's behind closed doors. Like, well, what, what are the real things? Put some stuff out there, some hard information, clarifying. This is what they've put out. This is what's been changed, or this is what we had, had agreed to. They reckon all the way back in December, that's been changed. I'm like, but what? You haven't actually clarified what is supposedly been agreed on, and they're saying they've agreed to everything. I'm like, it's just yeah, it's a dog's breakfast. Besides a few leaks, so yeah, plain and simple. No one, no one ever wins in these negotiations. We go through it. My work. You know, your mob's got a union. Most people in workplaces have this sort of thing. It's give and take, but you've got to meet somewhere in the middle at the end of the day. Move on. Not everyone gets what they want. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Going around in circles. Let's kick this off. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the true blue bookie. Download the app today or visit the website. And charity account, we've got another one. Connolly Lemoelu scored today. So put another 60 in the kitty. And the other half of the bet is on Origin. I've got Queensland and Hammer to score any time to put another 67.50 in the kitty, hopefully. Beautiful. So $1,060.50. Uh, 
And funnily enough, I, I kept forgetting over the weekend. I originally thought I had the bet on Tomoko the other night, and I looked and I was like, whoops, I forgot. And then last night I was like, you know what, I reckon Tommy Burgess. And then I got sidetracked and forgot, and he crashed over the first try, and I was like, this is not going to be a good weekend. I think I've cursed it. And then I thought about Lemuelli today, and he scored early. So got something, which is nice. Beautiful. Um, hopefully add to it to go past the $1,100 mark middle of the week. But we'll see how things play out. But thank you again to bluebet.com.au. <clears throat> Let's review these games, and then we will preview Origin 3, Sharks 36 to 12 over the Tigers. It was definitely a better effort overall by the Tigers. It doesn't take a whole lot to improve when you beat 74 to nil, mind you. But this is one of those games, again, why I sort of said last week about the Sharks and me putting them outside my power rankings, despite the buyers and what the ladder looks like now, which is completely false. It's one of those games where they got the job done in the second half, but even in the first, you know, there's little lapses and there's moments and the Tigers got a couple late there and we're sort of there and in the mix. And it's sort of this easy run the last few weeks, chalking up your wins, chalking up your for and against. But the fact is they still haven't beaten anyone in the top four yeah. or the top eight. And their real test is coming next against the Warriors in New Zealand off the back of this next Origin game. It couldn't be a better opponent to get. They're getting someone that's not affected by Origin at all at their home ground. Whereas the rest of the draw has been quite favourable bar the Melbourne game in Melbourne where they got lapped by 50. Yeah, I feel like they're sort of <clears throat> waiting for finals a little bit, Sharkies. <clears throat> you reckon? Yeah, I just feel like their point to prove this year is going to be... I think they're time. defensively worse this year than they were last year at the moment, and that worries me because last year when the finals come, that's the one thing that's sort of told. Yeah, I, what I'm saying is I expect it to improve mm. in finals time. You know, how much of it is technical, tactical, how much of it is effort... And ability, mm. so that that's really what's left to be seen in this Cronulla team. There's no doubt that they've got the attacking capability and prowess. They've got the players there that could score enough points to beat most teams in the competition, or probably all teams in the competition. Yeah. It's just whether they're going to be good enough in live ball, in periods of where the ball is going end to end, set yeah. for set. Whether their defence is going to hold up under fatigue yeah. and under multiple periods of possess- or large periods of possession of multiple sets, where they're going to have to defend still, opposition teams. That's, still think in, that's the question that needs to be answered. In middle terms as well, I don't know how they hold up in a cycle game like you're saying, live ball, effort on effort through the middle, winning that sort of contest in a finals game. Like they're missing Hunt and Hemingway now got injured, and missed on the weekend, but like those couple of guys, Rudolph, even like the way Fanukin's been. Like I don't, their middle's a solid middle. It's a working middle, but I don't think it's the quality of some of the other packs in the finals. I think one to seven, and their back row is pretty good. And, you know, they've got some guys we'll off the bench that can do a job, but in we'll terms see. of where the packs stack up, in particular their middle, um, that concerns me again come finals time. But, yeah, uh, it was they did what they had to do. Second half was much better, obviously. Five tries to zip. Pulled them apart on both edges, which is no surprise when you get rolling through the middle. Uh, Katoa bagged the hat-trick. Sifa... Pretty simple both times. Gets on the outside, powers his way through. Nico had his hand in a bit, uh, as he always seems to. Braley had a very good game as well, manipulating things in the middle, punched his nose through and again. And if there's one guy I know I've given a rap uh, last couple of weeks or mostly during the year, but Nicara and his form, uh, all in all, he, he's really been quality this year. Yeah. He's sort of been un- unsung a little bit prior to that. And he's always been a real quality player, but he's just taken another real step forward in terms of where he is in the pegging of back rows. 
he's a quality player. For the Tigers, like I said, better response, but for them, it's one of these ones again where with all the noise and what's going on and their situation, uh, pretty much just waiting for the season to end again and then see the chaos that ensues afterwards. Yeah, Who's out, who's in. We know guys have been told they can leave. Some of those people are playing at the moment in the shop front window. Talk about people they're still after. Still talk about the coaching situation, the club situation. Like It's shambles, but I thought... Honestly, for them, things went up a notch when Bloor and Safarth come on. They made a real impact on that game. Yeah, they did. Sort of dragged them into it there before half-time. Uh, and they were good again in that second stint. And they were at least smart enough to probably go away from an interchange plan and sub them early and just let them run until they were out of gas. But it fell apart eventually. And they got pulled apart. So, Sharks, again, uh, probably not as convincing as what you would have expected when they give up that lead. But they were at least good enough to come out and close it out. And again, I can't take much else away until they play a team like the Warriors in New Zealand this week. And that'll be another one of these gauges or tests where we look at it and go, okay, we need to see something. <clears throat> and you can't add any more motivation than blowing the lead at Shark Park like they did earlier. Mm. So, interesting to see how this one plays out. But moving on from that one, Raiders Dragons, we speak about it before. Any time it seemed like they were getting away with it, they just the Dragons just would not go away. And I, I know... For them, you know, missing Hunt and a couple other guys and, and also what they've sort of been going through and the noise around that, I actually thought they played pretty well in patches. More so individuals than a team. Mm. Like, surely on that right edge or that left edge defence, right edge tack, sort of bled, but I thought they did as much to Canberra. Croker and a couple of those guys had an absolute nightmare dealing with Amone and Lomax, who had one of his best games in first grade. Yeah. Um, but Amone in particular, just the way he played, he was square, he was aggressive. They had some times there where there was early ball. They'll get down there. Lomax's physicality, Ravalawa, the situations he had. Um, at times, actually watching some of the movement they had between Sullivan, Amone, and DeBellin actually got back to a bit more of what he used to do for him. They looked pretty sharp, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, But Sullivan's just had this horrible run. He's done a hemi again. I think this is the second or third time he's pulled up one hemi. Mm. So, you know, and even Little playing with those guys and the tempo... But yeah, they were real sluggish defensively on that edge though. Like Murdoch and Silla out there on an island with Moses Suley, who's not the best laterally. Like Canberra got them in the same spot that they got Canberra. Both their left edge D's, right side attacks just sort of went back and forth at one another. Matt Timokor had an absolute field day. Yeah, he was like he was in a pinball machine. He's a very good player. He's a very good player. He's similar deal though. He just needs to tighten up his D. But mm. anytime they said like, yeah, they wanted to go down there, they just pulled him to pieces. Mm. Like Whitehead's smart, I think he's older age, good distributor, um, chiming in with the ball playing side of things. And Tarpany was fantastic as well. Yeah. His feet, offload, the damage he did in the middle with some of the guys they're missing, so much so that they rotated Frawley to six to put Jack at 13 to sort of, he said he didn't want to carry another young middle, which is fair enough, um, from losing Sami Solo and obviously having Papa and Big Red out. But yeah, it's just disappointing, I guess, from Canberra's point of view. There was multiple times here. They should have gone on and just put the sword to them. And this is the reason why, despite all the wins they've got, they're four and against his terrible. So they rotate. Yeah. So, there you go. Bit of a, bit of a recording job there by you. But... Um, I was just, I was just uh, clipping something and sending it to someone. Yeah, the negative four... And I've and got your waffle in the background. Yeah, the negative four and against is, you know, situations like this where you think, all right, maybe today they could sort of square that up because I think they're going to be in that log jam. And I think their draw's quite favourable as well on the way home, but... If you're minus 65 and everyone else is 100 plus, could be the difference between a top four spot. Could be, but when you keep winning, four and against well, the thing. it becomes you, a little bit They're going to have to keep winning, but 
Yeah. Yeah. They're in a great position. What's that now? 10 wins or 11 wins? Uh, 10? Don't know the ladder, but I'll so find it. Uh, but yeah, I guess for their situation, just as you said, sick of them doing what they're doing. Whatever. They just sort of phase you out of games and it got way too close for comfort. So it's 11, 6, and 2. 11 wins. Yeah. <clears throat> they're in the finals, mate. Yeah, well, with what's remaining, you'd want to hope yeah. so. But, yeah. Even the talk like around, oh, they're second on the ladder. It's like, well, yeah, okay. They're not. But. Mm, technically, they are, aren't they? Are they? On wins now? Well, it would be them equal. and, them no, and, no, them no, and that's Penrith. That's you're talking about. Yeah, equal. Well, they're not really. Cause yeah, but just on against, wins, yeah. they're second. Yeah, that's right. So, so I guess that's where your argument, yeah, it becomes valid. But. It's, it'll be a lot easier just to keep winning. What have they got next to bite, I think, don't they? Yeah, they got a buy. Again. Yeah, because we play them in New South Wales Cup, that's all. But I yeah. looked and thought, yeah, they got a buy. So in that log jam at the moment, the worst point differential besides theirs is Melbourne on 65, so they're still 110 points better. Yeah. Whereas everyone else in there is close to 100, and then you've got Penrith 193. Sharks at the moment are 134, but they've got to play... Two extra games and the draw's been pretty good for them so far. And the origin effect hasn't really hit at all. Um, but yeah, I, I see good things in their football. I know they're tough. Uh, I, I guess the big question again you put Papa back in, Solo seems to be a part of their plan. The nine situation during the years changed a little bit. I think mean, Wolford certainly had some really good moments in this game and starting to kind of get back to what he was last year where he sort of owned the starting role and Starling was the guy off the bench. Whereas at the start of this year, they sort yeah, of had him out and in, mm. but it seems like they're more set on him again. Fogarty's contribution to the boot, um, hitting the post again, that's no mistake. And Chris has obviously showed, you know, why they've decided to go with him. He's improved. And they've everywhere. signed him long-term now. He signed at 27, I think. Yeah. It's funny that I wait and heard Ricky saying that, talking about the options for next year, he was saying that he could see him play six. Yeah, well. Chris, and I was sort of like, well, I was surprised as a one, not from the running side of things, but the ball playing in other parts, but to move him into the front line. Uh, I don't think it's as free-willing to the best part of his game, which is his running game. Mm. Uh, I still think he's got a bit to go with the ball playing side of things, but to move him to six would be certainly interesting. Yeah, it would be, yeah. Um, and then my other question is, like, they kept Croker out for a while, a lot of the guys wanted him back in, but is he going to be part of their plans running into the finals? Mm. Like not saying anyone's there banging the door down to replace him like Kotrick's been injured in and out off the bench hasn't really played a lot of cup but you see nights like this the other night where he, you know got jumped over a couple of times missed nine tackles they ran a lot of traffic at him um, there's going to be better teams than the Dragons coming up against the Raiders on the run in yeah. and I'm not pinning it all on him as well like that edge was different with the troops they had this week yeah. but he certainly again at that sort of point where I know he's made a bit of an impact and he he had some good games, but he's also at the point where he's had a lot of injuries. He's missed a lot of time, and he's at the back end of his career. Yeah. So for them defensively on that side, I don't know if that's something they look at. Mm. But end of the day, 18 zip, let him back in. 30 to 10, thought it was done. Gets 30 to 26, and then Hudson comes up with that hit on Little for an error. And then Wolford, nice little sort of short side ID for Chris and just some simple misses. They close it out, but... Like Ricky said, it's probably frustrating because there's plenty of times this year they should have gone on with the results and yeah, made it easier yeah. on themselves. That's what's killing him. Yeah. Because there's been wins there where they should have not put themselves in this position. They could have easily lost half of these games if they ended up winning with the way 
they've just had these lapses. When they lapse, they like it, it's hard. Yeah. It just flows. So, um, wins a win though, and they move on from that one. Like I said, Tarpany, Chris Tomoko, Wolf. But for the Dragons, you see some green shoots with your kids, and that's why I look at something like next year and this hunt situation. And it's not going to be resolved until the year's over, but get Sullivan healthy. Let him moan, <clears throat> slow and play with DeBellin. Lomax was obviously trying to prove a point. He had a really good game the other night. Whether that talk's true or they're going to give him a chance to, you know, live up to that sort of contract and let Flanagan make moves with the 14 spaces they're going to have open and decide who's worth keeping, who's not worth keeping. Yeah. But I see some positives in that the other night when it looks free of that stress and those guys are just playing some footy and have a point to prove. It's not going to be perfect every week, but that's sort of what they've wasted the last two years not doing, not looking at that potential future spine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Monet in particular, I thought was standout, rather um, just powerhouse. But mm. moving on from them, Warriors forty six to ten over the Eels. This was a frantic start in this game. It was real back and forth and loose, and they were going at each other's jug and had some opportunities. But once the Warriors sort of cleaned up the few errors they had and, and put their foot to the floor, it just felt like they did this with ease. They really, really dished up <laughs> the Eels. And to be honest, I thought the Eels. We're going to be in this one. When I saw the the team name during the week, the reshuffle in the back line was still solid. Getting Paulo back in, having Madison, even in the halves, just as a body with Arcee. Um, you know, like Ogden, Makatoa, Hot, like Hopgood's been great. Cartwright this year's been good. Davey's been good. I sort of looked at it and thought, you know what, that won't be a pushover. I think the Warriors will win, but they'll have to earn it. But the Warriors certainly proved me wrong. Yeah, they got lit up. They bludgeoned to death. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I think what's more impressive, I know I've gone about it multiple times, but it's anywhere on the park. Like, they're, they're not a one-dimensional team. <laughs> it's not, oh, you know, they're good in yardage, but they struggle here, or they only play to one edge, or they rely on Johnson, or they play off their night. Like, they're at a point now where I don't think there's really many weaknesses in what the Warriors do. I think the Warriors are fantastic out of yardage. I think they've got two quality centers who can pass, run, help out, and that side of things. They've got multiple guys who can play link, through the middle of the field and are as dangerous with the ball as they are as ball players. Yeah. They can play deep, they can play fast, they can play sideways, they can play almost any style of game. But I think what impresses me more than anything is the amount of variety and skill in their forward pack. They're not one-dimensional in that regard. It's not just straight up and down, you know, power game, quick play the balls or overplaying offloads or push. Like They've got multiple guys there that are multiple in the layers of the way they can play a game. Fanil Blake, Tony Harris, your two biggest prime examples. Power, skill, footwork, passing, offload, like able to contribute in all facets of the game. But they also, and similar to the point you've made before, you want to talk about shot, shot football and not wasting opportunities. The Warriors do not waste players. No, they don't. Like they can be short side raid, land on a tram, bang, next minute open side, both halves linked together, fullback, yep, sweet, come back to the right, go again. Like they're playing left, right, short sides, middle. Like some of the connection between their middles the other night, Tohu laid that one on for Dylan Walker was an absolute peach. There was one where Johnson, instead of playing slow like he did a couple of times, just accelerated, hit the line so hard after starting deep, drew three players in, created a two-on-one on the outside. Like There's just so many different ways they attack. Yeah, well, he's just made them a very adaptive <clears throat> it's attacking if, team. They've got a so different plan. Watch that. Yeah. I really enjoy watching well them. Well-planned and they're... They've got a purpose behind what they're doing. And then even a guy like Egan. Like, I always didn't mind Egan, but I think this is his best year as well. Why more? Like, his craft and... There was a, there was a pass the other night. I can't remember. I was actually going to clip it and send it to you. 
the way he sold his body, I thought he was playing short. I don't know, I mean, like a 15, 20 metre pass. And I think even a few of the defenders fell for it. Yeah. And they started with space on the outside. I'm like, I've not seen many other nines play that way. Yeah. Um, but even the fact that he, he he's given confidence even to their bit players. Like Arle's minutes when he comes on are good. Lusick's small little stints that he's had where he's rolled him to the rates. I thought he was good at the back end of the game. Barnett, whether he's in middle or an edge, like and, and I know so what you will about Nathan Brown. The signings he left before he moved and he said that they were good players, he wasn't lying. He signed Metcalf, Dylan Walker, and Mitch Barnett before he left. Yeah. They've all been very, very good on top of what was already there. And that's not taken away from what Webster's done, but the last few moves he made and some of the guys they got rid of, in terms of cap space, what they'd signed, and now what they're bringing through when you look at their cup tone, they're in a really good position. A really good position. There you go. But for Para, probably disappointing, to be honest. I think you'd want a little bit more resilience. Like, no Garth, no Moses, and no Campbell Gillard, fair. But, you know, compared to a few weeks ago where they dished 30 on Manly, and I know they're not the same standard. They still have plenty of quality in their team. I definitely expect them to be more resilient defensively. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, probably more disappointing in that regard. They just turned it up, really, didn't they? Because mm. that first 15 or so, I said it was frantic, it was back and forth. Simonson had that nice moment off the scrum where he just got outside Johnson and Barry was a bit loose there in the gap. But other than that, yeah, they were never in it. They got bludgeoned to death. Literally bludgeoned to death. And, yeah, 200th game for the Warriors for Johnson. Fanil Blake's 150th NRL game, Walker's 200th NRL game, and they celebrated in style. Um, and for them, off the back of a disappointing loss, twice now they've done what the Warriors wouldn't do in the past. They've sort of made up for it and put themselves in a spot again. Um, so there's a couple of results there that, again, still worried me that might hurt what could be a top four spot. That Broncos loss when they had all their players out, that one really hurt. Mm. Last week, Terence Rain with those players missing. It's one of those ones where you look at it and go, ugh. That could hurt, but they're 10-7. and seven. They've got a lot of games left in New Zealand. I think they've got... What have they got left? Seven, seven games left? I think they've got five in New Zealand. And it's against teams like the Tigers, the Dragons, Manly. So I think there's a real possibility here that they could rattle off at least five of seven and still potentially get a top four spot, but I don't know if it would be a home final. But either way, I think they're in a real good position if they don't land top four to get a home final week one, which would still be a big carrot for them. Yeah. But, mm, good result. Um, Para, don't have a whole lot positive to say, to be honest. It was pretty ordinary, and the Warriors were ruthless. They were. Yeah. Uh, so we'll leave that one behind. Dog South, this is one of those ones, again, where you talk about impact of origin. Like, you think that one's unfair to the Eels, who started, you know... The year in a pretty poor fashion of won five and then lost that. These are the ones where you look at for South, who have the only team to have played 18 games. They've only had one bye. They've now had the biggest impact, probably origin-wise, besides the Cowboys and the Broncos, maybe, on the Queensland side of things. But if, like, all weeks, it's the best chance a team like the Bulldogs obviously going to get to beat a team like South, and they still almost didn't. But for South, when you look at them now, 10-8 and eight with only six potential games left, top four is looking very shaky. And this is why we talk about the fairest competition that we had was 2020. Because in the real, yeah, in the yeah, real world, yeah. if you put back in and everyone's going, this is how it's always been, I get that. I totally get that. As a Melbourne fan, I get that. Because we've had five, six, you know, with, what the, was that year? We lost like seven in a row and they went on to win the comp. But like, it's, it's a big toll for a lot of teams. But no Campbell Graham, Cody Walker, Arrow, 
Murray, Latrell, Kalamatungi, Cook, and host a suspended. But if I rattle off like those seven names, like that's pretty hefty. And they still almost come out with a win. They essentially ran their New South Wales Cup and their best 20s kids, fled kids like Dallas Duncan, that were up playing New South Wales Cup. Munro, who literally come from SG ball to Cup to playing NRL in the last two weeks. Yeah, and they all did a job. And they all did a job. They were there to the death. Like a freak way to come after him then. But for the dogs, this is where you sit there and look at it. When last night, I know there was a lot about Avrilo's good and Sexton makes a huge difference. <clears throat> huge differences. Don't get me wrong. I thought Sexton was outstanding. They freed Burton up. Avarillo brought another dimension with the fact that he's an ex-half, but he's a really good ball runner. His speed and how dynamic he is, it freed up money. It had a great impact all around, but I'm like, okay, let's now see that against a full-strength team. Yeah. Not Rabbitohs missing those seven players. Because not to say that Sexton certainly doesn't make that difference. So I'm let's, happy. Let's, let's tell it how it is. Mm. They would have got nowhere near him if their mm. origin players were available. And this but, is what I hate about the competition, because this is a game which will influence where South finish on the ladder mm. and it's not not to say that the Bulldogs didn't deserve to win because the Bulldogs can no. only play what's in front of them that's, that's nothing, the nothing against the Bulldogs that's, what I'm that's always been look, the cop I think for the Dogs like it's it was great for them it's great for them as a club because the last thing they needed was to run into South and get beat smacked by 60 again or yeah. 50 again so I think there was, there'd be a lot of development in that week for Serraldo and Gould and the coaches in the you know, they, they would have said, look, you need to get back on the horse. These are the things that we need to do. And they probably, they, they definitely would have improved. But it's just nice to get a win. Yeah, and win play always, good footy. Yeah, a win always just makes you feel a little bit better about the week. And, yeah, there's, I think particularly for young players, they like you need that every now and then to get them to keep them on the hook and keep them motivated and, and make them understand that, you know, these little things that we're asking you to do, they're going to be successful and that's what's going to hold you in good stead in, you know, the elite competition of the year. So, uh, right. of the game, like at that level. Uh, but yeah, for South, look and just go. Yeah, oh, like said, if, it's if I'm him, I'm probably yeah, happy. How many with the out? Of Six out? Kids. Seven out? Well, if you add in all those guys, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, that would start plus Mitchell. I troll there. Yeah, the only yeah. name that's not uh, one of their top yeah. guns is Host, but Host has been a starting back row for him. Hmm. The other seven are all Origin players now. Yeah. So put eight back, eight back into your possible starting thirteen, was what was missing. Hmm. And yeah, I know people go, "Oh, I'm missing Kiko." This now it's okay. Well, but still, let's be real. This game on its merits, without Origin impact, is a different story. But for them, perfect week, like you said, they've turned it around. They got Quay Ward in for a debut. Skelton ends up getting a debut by surprise, comes on, looks like he had tears in his eyes. I thought that was an awesome moment. And then the jubilation of the difference in his two touches. His first touch, he drops the ball, which leads to a try for South and gives him a sniff of the game. His second touch, he beats three guys, almost scores a try, and they score off the back of that. So for them, I think it's an uplifting night in the fact that they got straight back on the horse, like you said. They rallied around a guy like Sexton, who's had some hard times and proved his quality. They rallied around Quay Ward, who's been battling away for a few years, gets his debut. And then Skelton, I think, come on at a good time at the back end of the game and just gave him another reason to try and get the job done. Yeah. So all around good week for them. A couple of guys got that carrot. Sexton gets to come down. It took a weight of the world off Burton's shoulders, that's for sure. Watching it. And then I think, again, you see the class of Avrilo and why he probably should have been the one from the start, like he was at the back end of last year. Mm. But now I also look at that and get frustrated because I'm like, you've just let him go. I'm not saying he's their fullback, but I still think 
in the plans of their top 30, whether he's a center or a fullback, he's just someone I wouldn't let go of. So I think the Dolphins, again, would be even happier watching that game that he's going to play for them next year. Yeah. I, yeah. You'd have to see all the numbers and understand where he fits. I guess it probably points to the fact that Crichton's probably going to be playing centers, not fullback. Don't know. Well, we're told he's going to Unless, play fullback now. Well, you look at even Skelton. Like, Skelton came in last night, looked okay. Like, whether... They feel as though they can get him at a good price. Avarillo's asking price is, yeah, they can't justify it based on the fact that they may not see him starting and they can spend. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. The money elsewhere. Like you, you have to have the whole picture in front well, of you. Well, they're essentially, when you look at it, I think they're taking the Calamotti. And Avarillo. Alamotti and Avarillo and probably gone heavy on Crichton and they've got Sherry for a peach because he's back from his drug suspension. I'm, a, I'm guessing that's their centres. Bronson Sherry. Is back I don't think his... they'd be banking on Bronson Sherry to be starting next year. Well, if you're going to let Alamotti and Avarillo go, I think you're going to have to. No, well, I think you're, they're looking at players that are coming through. But, mm. um, yeah, there's lots of positives. You can only beat what's in front of you. And good confidence boost for them. But mainly, I think, good to see the difference with Saxon there, which was apparent. Mm. Good steering wheel. They looked much more fluent in attack. He, his quality, I, I still, in my opinion, and again, I'm not up there at the Gold Coast. I don't see him train every day, this, that, and the other. I think he's better than Tanner Boyd. I think they made a mistake. No so, argument out of me. Um, yeah, touches. And then probably best thing for him, not only did he have good contributions in the game, but that last kick, if he's not where he is to grab that, that's a try for Tass. Yeah. So it comes up with a real positive in that moment. But, yeah, I think, uh, like you said, you, you take any positives after what they've been through the last few weeks, and in particular after that loss, and there's a lot there for them. And I'm sure they would have had a good night last night. Yeah, Hopefully not too good, but I'm sure they would have wanted to kick off the back of that positive and put some noise away and, um, yeah, just celebrate those couple of debuts and getting someone in there who gets his opportunity and looks like hopefully he's going to be a good football player for them yeah. and solve some issues and free ups from guys because that was the first thing I saw last night Burton running and that flick pass and just some of the moments like he's never been the steering wheel the fact he's been playing seven has been well it just unlocks him ordinary he's not a seven he's not but he's in, in their in their team he's had to be a seven I know that like, but long term he's just I think he's that's obvious though they know that So they're not putting him at seven because I think he's a long term seven they're putting him at seven because they feel as though that was the best thing for the team at that point in time there's a, there's a big difference between doing what's right for the team now and doing what's best for the team long term. And I think the fact that he's spent some time at seven is actually going to make him a better six. Mm. But yeah, for South... That's my opinion. Tommy, uh, captain, I think they said that him and Sam are only the second pair of brothers in history of South to be captains. There you go. So big night for him. Scored a nice try. Good moments. All at their pack. The guys that were there uh, between him, Tatola... Etc. They they try to do a job. I thought Elias and Taff were really good. Elias for them being a little bit undermanned. Taff I thought was good. Ilias, yeah, I feel like he's 
flattened out a little bit through this middle part of the season. I actually thought he played well last night. Yeah. He had his hand in a few things, set up, some good shape. The double pump on one of them, um, I, I thought he controlled things well. Yeah. But that's just me. Like, I think he's, like I said, just a good steering wheel, which is sort of like they had before. The kicking game is not as good as Reynolds at this point in time, but still, in terms of years and upside and everything else. But yeah, Taff obviously had a huge impact at the back end of the game. And we've said it before, he's out there on the market. As a half or a one, I don't know what people are looking at or if there hasn't been any talk yet or whether it's just quiet. Because South's situation, obviously, with bringing Whiten in, it's going to be a hell of a scrap for them to keep him. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. But there should be a lot more clubs knocking on his door. Yeah. And we rattled off some last night. I'm not going to go to it now, but there's plenty of clubs that could use him in both roles. Yeah. Whether it be one or seven. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for him in the long term. The last one today... We only really watched the mini because we were out at your game, uh, but the Gold Coast Titans got rolled in Golden Point against the Dolphins. Yeah. And by the looks of it, like we talked about ladder-wise, big game for both. Whoever lost is pretty much out of contention. I still think the Dolphins are too far out of contention and they're not going to have the troops, but you'd think in terms of who's coming in and out of the squads post-origin, you guys had more manpower, but you had to win today. So that pretty much puts the hammer on top of the Titans for the year. They're at seven now. Um, three out. Fucking the club put the hammer on the Titans when they sacked their coach. Yeah, well, and that's the other talking point again. There's still been more about those two deals this week and how that's going. Buzz come out and said that dogs have offered Tino this and talk about him getting shares and went to his pubs. I'm like, uh, it's very interesting. I still don't think he didn't going to leave. I don't think he would have re-signed, you know, when they did. Yeah. But, again, what's, uh, what's true and what's untrue about that, that'll be resolved soon enough, but yeah, uh, the bit we did see there, it looks like Foreign had a hand in most things, which is no surprise. Jane Campbell, I think, set the meet, uh, the record for metres. And we've had this chat before again. I know with Brimson there and the quality you've got in most positions, I I know he's re-signed, he wants to stay there, his family's there, he's basically said as much, but he needs to be on the field. Yeah, They've got to find a way to have him on the field. And then I know they're stacked with that Keanu Kinney kid too, who's very, very sharp and only 18, 19 years old, but that's sometimes that's the thing. It's all well and good to have riches in one position, but there's no point holding on to three fullbacks if you can't use three fullbacks huh. or putting money into three. I'm not saying you don't want to have it. It's a great problem to have, but it's not good when you've got deficiencies elsewhere and you're trying to put money in plan, much like the half situation. If they had Weaver, Boyd, Foreign, and now they're looking at Ben Hunt, clearly that's part of the thing with the Sexton situation, where they're going, well, it's good to have four good young halves, but can't keep all these guys and obviously look at someone like a Ben Hunt or not look at four like they did. Mm. So a decision, I know he signed for maybe two years on top of that, but on his part, like career-wise, where else could he play if he's not playing one for Brimson or if he's not playing in the halves? Could you play him in the centres? Could you stick him somewhere? Like, like he's too good not to be on the field, but my God, he looks good when he plays fullback. He does, yeah. And Brimson looks outstanding when he plays fullback, but... Yeah, well, I just need to, again, work out what fits best mm. with the team. Verrill's healthy, which is the key word, certainly makes a difference to your team. He's looked really good. Yeah. That's been a good yeah. pickup. Um, Absolutely. I think the only re- he was only moved on from the Roosters due to injury. Yeah, health. Was, and they... And, well, yeah, the fact that they went and got... Had the option of cheese and, yeah, thought maybe they could get something out of him that they weren't seeing there or a different style of play, and that hasn't really panned out so far either. Mm. But, yeah, it'd be more down to the fact, like we said, for two or three years there, Verrills was peck injury, this injury, that injury. They just couldn't keep him on the park. And I, I don't think he, he wasn't on a huge wedge. He was on good wedge, though. Yeah. But they decided to go a little bit harder and get what they thought was a New Zealand international. It obviously proved to be 
a good nine that one year they got to play it at Melbourne when he won Hooker of the Year. Yeah. But so far, that's not what they've got. So, but for you guys, I think it's worked out really well as long as he stays on the field. But yeah, the big part in this, we saw at the end there, uh, he called offside in Golden Point. They both got field goals. Azarka was not even pressured. Boyd under pressure. Come up with a pretty good field goal result. Uh, they had to snap themselves and then a penalty was given for Azarka when Atkins said Clark was blatantly offside. Yeah. So, good back and forth, good tussle, but the Dolphins make it 2-0. They obviously had that massive comeback the game before and we looked at this one last week and said similar. I thought you guys 1-7 to seven probably looked better, but missing those three guys in your forward pack, definitely thought they, the Dolphins had the upper hand in the forward pack side of things and I think that's where they won it. Yeah. They were pretty good okay. in that regard. Um, Katoa's minutes at nine were pretty interesting. Like, I know we said the other week, it's been a long year and he probably needs a bit of a, a dip, but they don't really have the, the depth to do that. But that rotation today when he got in, he actually looked like he did a pretty good job there in terms of service and creativity. Out there. I, don't, I don't think you can play him there in terms of the defensive load, but you've got to utilise getting your players on the field. So that was their way to get Milford on, who had a hand in a couple of tries late. O'Sullivan, Nick Arima playing at one last week for Hammer. Like for them with their squad at this point in time, that's what you got to do to get quality out in the field. Some guys are going to maybe have to do that on the run home. I'm sure Wayne hasn't given up hope, but yeah, I still don't see them putting enough together. Like you look at their last month and like a day like today, no. they're they're certainly in a position where I think now, bar this week, like Manly will have that sort of last chance saloon and the Roosters as well against Melbourne. But if those two lose, and in my opinion, I think Storm and Cowboys will win, it's going to be a nine-team competition for the run home, in my opinion, after this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and basically, I'd say four or so of those teams are probably guaranteed. I think it's going to be five going into four spots for that back end. Yeah. Uh, but the Cowboys are certainly one that's obviously picking up momentum. A lot to be played out, that's for sure. But... Yeah, that wraps up the games from the weekend. Uh, I guess there wasn't really any with a huge implication. Those two, essentially, I think were already out of the running, but sort of knocked each other out. South is probably the one who take the most damage from the weekend. Hmm. And Para as well, I guess, with that Warriors game. Uh, they're both sitting there right now on nine, uh, but Para's obviously got a game in hand compared to South. So, yeah, their draw on the way home would be interesting, but that race is on. And let's look at the Origin Game 3. Thank you to Sinclair, Hyundai, Penrith, Tobias and the team there. Get down to the corner of York Road and Bat Street and get yourself into a Hyundai. Toby and the crew will set you up there. SinclairHyundai.com.au. They've got some absolute crackers. The new Kona, I think I saw the other day, looked really good. The Santa Fe, the Tucson, the Veloster. Some good wheels. Yep. But look at this one we talked about the other day. In terms of team changes for the Queensland side of things, there's not a whole lot. Brimson was a force change for Walsh, and Flagler was a force change, and Big Red gets a debut. Uh, the only thing I did probably note, and every game, he's named Hunt at nine. This time he's actually named Harry at nine. And he, he's not really into mind games, Billy. No. Well, so, yeah. I'm, I'm it's only- hard to know what they're going to yeah, I'm only taking it off that premise. I'm not saying he won't make that late change again, but the first two games, Hunt's actually been named nine, started nine. This time he's actually named Harry as the nine. Yeah. So I don't see any need for a trick, but uh, we see what happens there. Uh, we know 
that Nenai, who obviously come in, starts that back position, and he made late changes both times for Tino and Cotter to play. This time he's just named them straight up start. So similar deal. The only real change to look at 13 I could see is if he does start with Hunnigan. But like I said prior, he has not actually named him as the nine. Yeah. Um, their bench, though, Hunt, if that is the case, to come in, Collins, Moiaki, Corey, and their 18th is Tommy Dearden. They had Hopgood, apparently, on standby and almost in because Nenai had to pass a fitness test for a hit pointer. Interesting. I was saying that if he was out, then yeah, uh, Hopgood would have been into the team. Mm. And they would have had to play someone else in the back row, which would have been interesting because looking at who they had, it probably would have had to have either been Tino shuffles out to an edge or Corey would have to play edge who they had in there because the 18th is Tommy. So, uh, yeah. But for New South Wales, as we know, seven changes, two by injury, five were made uh, by dropping. So, Brad Best will debut, assuming he's going to be on the left-hand side with Fox and Cody. Also, Keon Kalamatungi to debut, assuming he'll also be on the left. He usually plays <coughs> right. I'm thinking the right will be Martin, Critter, and Toto from Penrith with Moses. And the middle has named, if it stays the same, Trebojevic, Campbell-Gillard, Murray, and Cook. And again, because it's such a South-heavy flavour this time, I'm not sure if he'll start Robson. I think he will. Um, I'd like to think he would. But again, knowing him, I don't know. I get the feeling he might stick with Cook and Robson to be more used as a battering ram middle or limited minutes at nine. Mm. Um, and then the bench, like we said, interchange-wise, you've got Gutherson, Safidi Yo. interested to see how that sort of works. Safidi's obviously just a straight-up swap for Campbell-Gillard, assuming he's going to have huge minutes for Jake, and Yo's essentially just going to be an extra middle, more so than that role he plays. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if he needs an extra fill-in there. It'll be Robson because the way he's sort of constructed this team, there's no real flexibility to roll back Rowan unless you play Yo as an edge, which at this point I don't think that's, you know, he could do it, but I don't want him doing it. Mm. So that option like we've talked about before where we had versatility to roll a Frizz or a Hud or somebody else or work a Martin or a Murray, that, that's sort of gone now. So it's pretty much straight up changes and Gufson goes back to where we were game one. He's pretty much there only if something happens. I don't see a way you inject him. Unless you lose a fullback centre winger or yeah. a half. Um, and yeah, someone tweeted us a quote pretty much before with him saying that, that he can cover all those positions and he doesn't have a plan from this point in time. So Super. pretty much again, it's literally there only for one purpose. So there you go. What are we thinking? Wednesday, it's here. It's generally a, always a heavier track. Um, a bit more dewy as compared. I don't know what the weather's like. I'm going to have a look at that. Well, it looked fine last night. Right like, now. If it plays how it did last night in the Bulldogs-South game, it was essentially dry. Like, there were a lot of points in that game. So I'm, I'm not too sure what to make of the surface. But... Well, they're saying it's going to be two degrees in the dark. So if it's nice and cold and dewy... Two degrees at night or two degrees that day? Well, day, but by night, obviously, you're starting to talk things being a bit cooler. So two degrees during the day... Well, what was today? Today was 20 with the top of five. They're saying on Wednesday, it'd be 19 with it, and the low was two degrees. So you could say, why kick off? Fucking two degrees could be 5 a.m. Yeah, I, if it's a similar day to yesterday, I think it'll, the track will be good. It's hard to know. We're playing. <clears throat> We're guessing. I, I'd suggest that it's going to be pretty similar to last night, and the surface was. There'd be absolutely no excuses for the players. <clears throat> Yeah, and I guess the other thing is we've had bad wind, but that looks like that's going away. Uh, looking at the beer, oh, the bomb. 
But, yeah, it's always seemed to be a bit of a heavier track, hard to move the ball, a bit dewy. But, yeah, compared to Queensland, uh, on that side of things and the way the games have played, for us, I'm just more interested to see how we play. Like, we've got Cody now in with Moses. Do we actually get our halves to link this time? Or are we still sort of playing, you know, that more individual sort of style? Uh, and then the way they link, like now you've got Murray in there and they've got Cody there. They're going to try and do a little bit of what South do where he sort of just feeds. Well, you'd think so. And you have to sort of move down that line and play that, you know, more that style. I, I, like I believe. I, I don't think you can go and then try and play Panther ball. Like you don't have Cleary there now. Yo's now on the bench. I, I like the style. It looks more of a running style. It looks a more direct style. It looks a more short pass. You know, quick play the ball and and do damage on the back of momentum. Which particularly early in the game, I, I think will be effective. I I don't think the passing, the side to side footy and the out the back footy through slow passing is working. It's putting pressure on our halves. So, you know, I think Cody does his best work when he jumps on the back of quick play the balls or he gets the ball early and he generates his own momentum. That's what I like about Cody Walker. And that's why I think, you know, personally I would have picked him for game two just because I feel like he he's just a front foot player. Like he, even if the team isn't going forward, he'll carry the ball and generate some momentum for the team where... You know, I think you hear a lot of halves talk about, well, you know, it's not quick enough, we're not generating enough momentum. Sometimes you just got to get in, tuck the ball into your arm and generate your own. And I think he'll definitely do that. That'll unlock Cook. I think it's perfect for Tedesco. Like, Tedesco just needs to stiff around, look for offloads, look for short passes. He doesn't need to be out the back of shape. No, Let especially the when they only post him up that. to the right. That's... In origin, you know, it's not that style of a game. It's not an overly structured game. I think the more uh, Teddy's doing his running from post to post, the better. Not from sideline to sideline. Which I feel like he's done probably the first two games far more than you know the team needed. Mm. I think we sort of tighten up our edges a bit with Keon and Martin, which I like, but I think we've weakened our middle. Well, yeah. Like, no, Haas. That's a killer. Yeah, well, Haas is a big one. I also think Ploy, though. Ploy, we've taken leg speed and power out of the Ploy. equation. Like, Playing Sofidi, I, I don't get it. No. And that's sort of the one thing that sort of glares to me. I look at the bench and go, all right, previously I think we had the impact, we just didn't use our subs right now. I'm sort of looking at it going, well, I just don't think we have a lot of impact. Yeah. I think it's pretty average. And if Yo's coming in as an impact, like Yo's generally better the longer he plays. He's not really an impact type player. Yeah. I know people are angry about Murray's minutes, which is fine, but I think Murray can actually make an impact. Sure, he should have been playing minimum 50, not 30. Yeah. But I think he does that role better. Your bench is supposed to be a point of difference. Yeah. So I look at this plus the Gufferson thing thinking, okay, well, I can't get him in anywhere. And if Robson's coming on to play as a middle or only short minutes at nine, he's better off being the one at the start and could be the impact. Yeah. So in that sense, again, I've said it the whole series, the interchanges worry me, but that sort of stands out to me straight away as I just see a bit of lack. Yeah. 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 Langers. But yeah, like Jakey's going to work. Reggie's straight up and down, but yeah, I just look at our middle now and go, okay, like we look like we'll work hard and we'll do that, but I, I think this might be our worst middle sort of setup that we've had. Yeah, fair. Like with Haas, Paulo, Regan, which I think would have been our three best middles to run with, even if Jake come back into the fold in some capacity and yeah, they gave him some minutes, I could cop that. But in this iteration, with Yo, Safidi, Jake, like I think we've lost a lot of leg speed. Mm. Which again, when you're talking about a front foot game, that does worry me. 
Because hmm. I look at a guy like Cody, and if we would have picked that better middle with this sort of setup with the edges or whatnot earlier, I'd sort of sit there and go, right? And I, I know my opinion, I said it a few years ago, I thought we quit on Cody too early, which is what we did, which is why I've had all four of those guys that played one game or had been flicked it's what we compared do, to Queensland. That's what we do. Well, I think he's our most creative half in New South Wales in either position. In the competition, I think he's the best ball player. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's your humble. Um, and not the best one. All right, bro, up again. I'm not going to the opinion there that it just come off the one game. They've had him in the path. They've had an opinion of him for a long time. But of the options we had, that just surprised me. That's all. Mm. Uh, the edge is on. Who's he up against? He's going to have Val, DCE, Nenai, and Coates. I'm assuming he's on the left. He plays left at club. Yeah, if he's not on the left. So, yeah. him and Val will be interesting. Val's certainly been in yeah. some good form. Yeah. Um, Coates grew an absolute leg out of origin. A lot better than what I'd seen uh, in terms of what he was doing previously. No doubt they're going to get some traffic at Cody as well. Trying yeah. to test out him and Keon, but Keon's obviously very well-rounded player. Tough. Got a bit of skill to him as well. Yeah. But that's sort of a new construction for them. And I'm, I think Fox would be there. You flip to the right, Martin, Moses, Critter. I think for Moses, he'd be very happy that it's... I'm guessing it's going to be Martin. Martin's certainly a good person to have on on your side. Yeah. Fridge did a good job for him prior, but I think in both senses now, he's got a good, hard-running back row, which shoots him to a tee. Yeah. He sort of likes that type of player to free up what he looks to do. Um, Critter and Tyra on the outside of him. I guess pretty simple there. Look at Mama. Look like you're going to go after money. Um, but yeah, I guess from our perspective, it's just looking at how they're going to play. Like, best... You're hitting him with early ball, like you're trying to drop him back under. If you, you punch a hole in the middle, like how Cody sort of forms with him and Fox, I guess that's sort of why I'm just trying to picture that left edge. Like I know, he, again, he's pretty good with his back rail side of things and that run run shape and the way they threaten, but I also think Teddy's skill set is a one, which is more why I like somebody like a drink water for the way that South like to play the shape. I don't think Teddy fits into as well as the way that they sort of hit there. You know, half to a half with that link, and then Latrell's usually silky at the back. He really gives you that run-pass option. I'm not saying Teddy can't do that, but Teddy's obviously not, I'd say, in your higher echelon of guys that have the passing game. So I don't know if we'll see as much of that. Um, pretty much just how it's been the first two games. I just don't know. I don't really have a clear picture in my head about how this spine plays together. Hmm. Or if he does, like I said, if he starts with Cook instead of Robson or if Robson's in there, how that all sort of melds together. It's very been very individual. Whereas you look at them, they've been linking. Whether it be halves, one, 13, long sides, short sides, like it's just, yeah. The whole flow of it, the middle rotation, um, and our edges. Our right edge looks really good. I do think that. Um, but yeah, the rotation and the continued impact sort of does worry me. And then left side, I, I hope Cody... Gets free reign and he's sort of the one that gets to control and dominate if we do have momentum. But yeah, we've been very, very segregated in the way we like to play this series. It's been very much this half or that half or this fullback or, and obviously the amount of one outs we punched in last game just showed the disconnect between our spine. We had nothing planned. Yeah. Um, and this is the shortest time most changes we've made all series and we didn't go into camp until the day, day later. Yeah. So those those are all the things that sort of worry me. Mm. Whereas I look at them and I'm like, well, the changes are almost seamless. Brimson's been part of the setup before. Yes, he's different to Walsh, but all in all, he's just... Yeah, well, the changes have been sequential, haven't they? Yeah, 
he's a little pit bull like you're 18 you're 19 with the mindset that if we get an injury in this position you're coming in mm. injury in that position bang he's not as fast as Reese Walsh but he's played six he's a tough runner a great runner of the football he'll still hit those sweep shades he's still got a good pass on him yeah he can still do a lot of what they'll do there he probably rely more on his physicality and his running game more than Walsh did. Walsh has got that threat to create a number with that speed and that change of tempo. Um, and then a guy like Corey coming into that rotation the way they like to play. Like, as if he's not going to grow a fucking league wearing maroon jersey. Yeah. The bloke's already a psycho in green. He's amazing. Now he gets to wear that. Or, or he, he's, he's a candidate to have the worst debut or the best debut of all time, I reckon. I think it'll go quite well. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I could see him punching someone and getting sent off just from absolutely melting down and going full rage mode wearing the maroon. I wouldn't advise it. No, nah, neither would I. But big red. Mm. Or, yeah, he comes out and just has an absolute scorcher. Smokes a few blokes and he might, yeah. gets caught up in the emotion of all. And I'm sure he'll get adequate minutes. But, yeah, you look at the way they play. I, I think I would probably roll back to what they've been doing and having Hunt start things off. I don't know if there's a plan with the Harry side of things, maybe that the series is over, that he gives him majority of the minutes. I don't know if that's sort of just a yeah, thought to the future. Um, but yeah, now I think it's a better matchup for them. Middle-wise, like Collins and these sort of guys, I didn't think were playing well coming in this series. He's been outstanding every time he puts his jersey on. He has been. Corey, yeah. Moe was great with a limited time. Cotter and Tino hold down. Carrigan's been really, really good. That left side, um, why I feel we're a bit tighter, you know, Munster's going to be probing Hamiso. It's been super dangerous this series. If not, it's just proven more and more the quality of play he is. I think he's a huge threat again um, down that side of the field. And then Val and that club form that's been coming out of Nene and those sort of guys playing together with DCE, who's grown a leg the last couple of years. Uh, I think we may not win the yardage game or the role like we have probably the last few games. I don't think we'll put him on the back foot as much, but I think if it is the sort of typical heavier New South Wales track, which it didn't look like, that Cherry Evans' king game would be a big part in this. It was a big part of the last game. Huge, yeah. Huge. Um, and I dare say, I sort of said this to you, I know Cotter got man of the match, I know Collins got it in the last game, but I think Cherry Evans has been right there or thereabouts the first two games. If he's of a similar ilk again, I think he'll be the man of the series. Yeah. Yeah, he's been very, very good. Mm. It's oh, I'm going to find it yeah, difficult to predict man of the series. Oh, I'm only just going off that. Like again, yeah. with, the, with the dead rubber, you don't know what you're going to get. But I think he's been thereabouts both those two games. I think it's going to be hard for Cotter or Collins to pull another one out of the bag. What they did, mm. um, different sort of game because of the situation. I know they say no Origin game means any less, and yeah, that that may be the case. But yeah, I think this is a, a real chance for him to sort of put a stamp on it as a captain. Yeah, series sweep. Um, whether they are a bit more on the front foot this time, being probably better matched up in terms of the yardage and middle game, I don't know. But if he, he kicks and controls and does the things he's been doing, that new edge, basically, if I think those players are going to be that side, if that's constructed, then I certainly proved a handful last game. Valve's confidence, um, you know, did and sort of sweeps left majority, but he also goes right. Like, I think like Walsh, you know, I don't think he'd struggle to go either side of the field. They've probably been to the right a little bit more than I expected, to be honest, this series. I thought they were going to be yeah. a lot more yeah. left-side heavy. But mind you, the limited times they have gone there, it's not like Hammer needs many opportunities. Oh. Anytime he's been given any sort of edge, he's uh, certainly proved a handful. But Takes it to the bank. Yeah, despite their two changes and our multiple changes, I, I, I sort of feel this time um, 
more even more confident than them, to be honest, which is sad to say. Yeah, see, I don't. You don't? No, just lack of motivation. And I'm not saying that's going to be an issue. Mm. But the fact of the matter is the series is over. They're away from home. I'm not saying that they're going to be any any better or less in regards to their performance, but I think subconsciously it definitely has an impact. So we'll see. Okay. It's not going to help New South Wales play well and execute and get their subs right and get all the stuff right that they need to, but you know, I'm not sure they're going to get that same Queensland that you get at Suncorp Stadium when the series is alive, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah, again, I don't want to blow his horn any more than it is, but I don't know. I think Billy, Billy's done a pretty good job of, you know, cooking up the week and the well, situation and where, nah, where he wants him to be. So from that perspective, they will find out mm. where they're at, the headspace was. Yeah. But also history, I thought it was 2013 or 14. I said the other day, I think they, I heard today on the radio, they said 2010 was the last time there was a clean sweep. So it's been a fair yeah. while. I'm pretty sure that game was in New South Wales as well. Mm. The third game. So it may not mean a lot to some, and yeah, there might be a little bit less motivation there, but I'm sure from his perspective or internally, I'd like to think that maybe they're really hitting home that there's a real chance here to put a bit of a sledgehammer and an exclamation point on what we've done the last couple of years and where where we want this to be going in the next few years because that core, their team is quite young. Cherry's the oldest yeah. one there. Yeah. Other than that, there's a lot of guys there that could still play for another four or five years. There's a few there that can play a decade if their form and health stays that way. Um, but yeah, like you said, motivation, situation. Uh, on the flip for that, yeah, there's guys there. I don't know if Cody's still in the frame for next year or if he's just coming in to win a dead rubber. Mm. That also comes down to the biggest question mark we've got that we don't know. Who's coaching next year? You're getting all these answers post-game. Because, yeah, if it's Freddie, is this a bit of a dress rehearsal or is he just going to win? A new coach comes in, he's got completely different ideas. So for some of these guys, you'd like to think taking that mentality and then, like, it won't be the case for everybody. Obviously, there's some guys that definitely will play. But the New South Wales guys should be, a lot of them thinking this may be the last or only chance I get to play for New South Wales again. And what's been a pretty embarrassing series, you'd like to think. Has been. They will dig deep. Yeah. So... I'd like to have some optimism. I know this probably isn't the most in-depth one as usual, but it's hard given the circumstances. But, yeah, I, I, I unfortunately don't have a lot of optimism. So with that, uh, yeah, let's not go much further. What, what do you like? I'll, I'll give mine if that helps. I'm going to go Queensland by eight. I'm going to say Cherry Man of the Match. I know like the deck, like we said, looked pretty good, but I think he'll kick and control and sort of see his way. Um, to guide in that performance and I've got the hammer first try yeah I'm going to go Queensland 24-18 so by six who do you like for me in the match yeah go DCE first meaty yeah who knows who knows man well, I think I got it last time no yeah, Val, Val's been their most consistent I think Val scored seven of the last, seven of the last ten at Suncorp. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I'll go. I was borderline going Coates on the right because that's where that new sort of shape is. Um, but I don't know. New South Wales could be a back could be back row or something. Playing? <clears throat> Who's playing fullback for Queensland? Or Brimson. Brimson. I'll go Brimson. AJ Brimson. The Gold Coast Titan. 
Got a brain fart. I couldn't remember his name, mate. Mm. And the odds for this game to bluebet.com.au, the Blues outsiders at the moment, they're $2.25. Uh, Queensland are $1.65. Minus three and a half is the line here. I'd happily eat that line. Um, of three and a half. One to 12, New South Wales, 340. Queensland, $3. Mm. 13 plus, New South Wales, 570. Queensland, 325. I don't think it'll be as ugly this time around. Or I would, again, I'd like to not think so for a clean huh. sweep. Yeah, we'd hope so. Um, so I think it's a one to 12 game either way. And to, the overs is also the other one. So this time it's 40 and a half. Ooh. But, mm. Yeah, I'm going over. Yeah, so first try scorer, no surprise. Fox, Toto, Coates are all nines. Tualungi is at 10. So me, so my pick is 15. Your pick, AJ Brimson, also 15. So mm. 15 a pop there. Teddy, is this his last game? Is this the swan song? Like I said, coaching situation, form, what's going on? Don't know. Uh, he's 15s. Val, prolific first try scorer. 17s. I, I sort of feel a back row, even though I picked... Hamisa, so if you went a back row, Fafida is 17. Nanai is 19. Kalal Matungi on debut, 26. And Martin, 26. Mm. So, mm. some good value there. Man of the match picks, no surprise again. We don't know if it is the case, but if it is the Teddy Swan song, nothing would surprise me. He's the favorite equal at 750 with Cameron Munster. Yeah, wow. Well. Cody Walker next on the line of betting there. So a lot of people obviously thinking he want to take this opportunity. He's eight. Moses, nines, our pick, both of us, DCE is 11s. Um, and then after him, you've got Murray at 15 now that he's starting. Brimo, 17, it's a bit of value coming in at one. That is a uh, good value, very good value. But during the series, those odds would have been big for Collins and Cotter. I'm sure it would have been 30 plus. They're both now in the 20s. Bookies are getting a bit sus now with all the forwards. Starting to win many of the matches in these games. Not like I think many people would have been uh, betting on it. No. So they probably wouldn't have lost a lot, but I'm sure a few times there they would have been like some random bloke up in fucking caboochers had $10 on this guy at 51 pop. And he's sitting there going, I've won 500 on Collins, man of the match. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I can find man of the series. I know it's been up. But I'd be interested to see what the odds are. If there is one there. Series top try scorer, Hamiso's got it at the moment. He's a dollar twenty-five pop. Mm. So yeah. Holmes is next at sixes, Tulagi at thirteen. The first for New South Wales is Crichton at nineteen. I don't even know who scored the most. I think Hannah might have three. And we said the Wally Lewis medal winner, Daly Cherry Evans, is the favourite, three dollars seventy-five. So Bookie's clearly agreeing that he's been very close to the mark and with that cumulative point system they've got, if he plays a decent game again, uh, most consistent across the series, might be wearing that around his neck. Munster second surprises me. I Mm. think he's been okay. I don't think he's really had a a stand. His first game was better than his second game. Yeah. I don't think he was a big part. Collins, 450. Cotter, 450. Both having already won man of the matches. Carrigan, (laughs) bit of a smoky along with Hammer at 12s and 13s. Yeah. Both need big games, but yeah, I sort of seem to think uh, it's probably cherries to lose. And yeah, there's no New South Welshman in Cooey on that price list with good reason. Yeah. Because after the first two games, there shan't be one of them winning the medal. Oh, there you go. Origin preview. Not not as much fire on that one. It's a bit hard when you're already down two zip and staring yeah. down the barrel of being wiped. Yeah. But Give him the shield, move on. 
I'm still disappointed and I hate it. I know it's been talked about a million times. Give him the shield up there. That's shit. Well, I agree with that. Oh, you fucking get it in New South Wales. You know, I think the other day, whether it's true or not, they're saying there's about 70,000 sold. Hmm. Like, I don't know if that's the case. 70,000 sold at the press conference for game two, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, like, really? You've won the series, you've dominated, surely you've earned the right to get the shield when you're at home in game two. Agree. And celebrate. Like, to come down here and get it when people are fucking booing or walking out, it's not really, not much of a wrap. No. Like, It'll be an empty stadium if Queensland lift it. And let's face it, if well, they... sorry, they're going to lift it. If they win the game... And it's decided in the last 10 minutes. The place will empty out fast. Yeah. People will be on their bike to get out of P1 and do the, the old Harry Holt. Absolutely. So Park near an exit. That's right. I, I'd like to think that's not the case, but let's just forward predict like we did the last game. If it doesn't end up being a great result, yeah, could be a very blank scene for them to pick that up and start yelling in front of a couple of thousand people who don't give two fucks. Hmm. Or the few thousand who make the, the travel down, like... Surely it's justified that if you wrap it up in your home state, you get that celebration with your fans. Well, Especially yeah. the fact they're at the Caxton until bloody five in the morning. Yeah. Like, come on. The only thing that I'm missing was a shield. Mm. That's it. But there you go. That wraps us up. Reviews of the games. Origin preview. We shall be there. Fingers crossed we see some fight and some hope for the future. But I think there's more questions that are going to come after this series. The fact that it's already obviously decided and resolved, I think there's a lot more that's going to be coming afterwards mm. um, that we'll have question marks about, but we're not going to know until a later date. But, yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark forward for New South Wales. Who's the coach? And if not, what are the sort of changes that are coming? There has to be some sort of change if we continue down this path. Yeah. And what the future looks like. So. agree, my friend. Yeah. On the other hand, Billy Slater, I did find something interesting. I think... Uh, they're talking about the, the contract negotiation. He hasn't knocked it back on that, but just said he's going to talk to his family and the situation of life. So he's, he's also not rushing to recommit to Origin. So, interested? Don't know whether... I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's going to coach again, but whether, he's, like he said, he's got all these other irons in the fire. If there's some other things he's interested in focusing on, just TV and family and the horses, like... Whether he's playing a bit hardball, I don't know. Don't oh, think, yeah, don't think he really needs to play hardball in the situation he's in. No, so I'm taking him on his I word. Think origin in this short period of time, early on, is ideal. Maybe into some full time NRL coaching later on. Well, I'd love to think that he'd come down and succeed the Melbourne job. I like again, no, I know he doesn't have a lot of experience, so on that side it worried me. But I would have liked the idea of him being there for a few years while Craig's still there. Yeah, that would be ideal. But that situation is probably not going to prevail unless he keeps. Backflipping on quitting for another few more years and we somehow rope him in. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Mind you, he has been there and he still is there a couple of days a week, but it's more a consultancy type role for attack and spine yep. positions than it is him being there full time. Mm. But from all reports, he does have a bit to do with our attack, which is no surprise. You'd be stupid not to pick his brain. But, yeah, some questions there. If uh, anyone's around members or that, are you looking to have a beer with somebody on Wednesday? You can find us there. We'll be around somewhere. We'll be near a bar. You might be as lucky as good old Danul, who bumped into us on Grand Final Day. Can't say it'd be as of epic proportions as Grand Final Day, but still a good time. Big mistake. Big mistake. That was a good day. Good day. But there you go. Sunday night, it's bedtime. You got anything left for the punters, mate? That's it, pal. 
No movies, no pods, no nothing. No, it's only almost, been a couple of days. Almost at the end of uh, Better Call Saul season three, so still recommend it. Yeah, it's unreal. Great show. I really want to see Oppenheimer. Yeah. Keep seeing trailers. Keep hearing about it. Chris Nolan did a cracker job with those Batman movies. I want to see it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll be going to see it. That's one on the radar. But, alrighty. Fingers crossed. New South Wales will themselves for all the Queenslanders out there. Good luck on the sweep. We'll be back Thursday after the origin. We'll do a quick review of The Dead Rubber and a wrap of the series and don't know if there'll be any news break on Thursday. We'll wait and see pending the result and then we'll do our tips and preview of the final origin affected NRL round and the last one with multiple buys, obviously three buys, so still seven games and then we're into the run home unaffected hopefully and fingers crossed for no major injuries or incidents out of the origin fixture. But for now, That'll wrap us up. Origin is upon us. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.